Hello, sustainable friends, and welcome to Let's Act, Sustainably Developing Africa and Beyond podcast. Here we will share bold and innovative solutions that will help us tackle social, economic, and environmental issues that affect sustainable development. The Let's Act podcast series will amplify voices of people from communities, businesses, academia, civil society organizations, and more who will share real experiences that will drive development for an Africa we want. My name is Tokumbo, Talks for short, Ifachiroti, and I am your host. It is time. Let's act, Africa. Hello, 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 and welcome to our podcast titled Let's Act, Sustainably Developing Africa and Beyond. Our topic is volunteerism in Ghana, my story. And I have a wonderful guest. In fact, I can't just wait to hear what she has to say. Her name is Karen Miles. Before I bring Karen in on board, I just want to give a little snippet into what she has done so far. Karen is an avid traveler, especially to Ghana in West Africa. And in addition to international development work, which she loves, she also loves to promote Ghanaian culture and history through her jewelry making. Now, this artisan gift is a tool which she uses to direct people away from appropriation and channel their energy to appreciate the numerous talents that the Ghanaians that she has worked with so far possess. Now, the outcome so far has been amazing and empowering, both for her and her participants. Karen, welcome on board. I'm excited to have you with us. How are you? I'm good, thank you. What a lovely introduction. Oh, happy you love it. (laughs) (laughs) Karen, tell me. Who is the real Karen Miles? Oh, that's that's a deep question. Um, <laughs> so I think the real Karen Miles is someone with a, a passion for helping and promoting people be their best selves. Mm. Uh, and initially, I wanted to do that through volunteering in Ghana. I was sold the narrative, oh, from the UK, you must be better and therefore you must go and help these people in Africa or these people in Asia or these people in Latin America. Mm. And so naive as I was when I first went to Ghana, I thought, yeah, let us let me go and help loads of people. Mm-hmm. When I got there, I realised, hang on a minute, <laughs> what what have I got to bring to this, this country? Like <laughs> the, the country is already beautiful. The country already has so many incredible minds. The country already has so many incredible talents and cultures and everything. Yes. And I think that's when my eyes were opened that actually we're, we're read a narrative in mm. the West that we need to go and help and actually, I think there's a lot that we need to learn um, from different countries that we travel to rather than just go and impose ourselves on there. So, hmm. yeah. Every day brings something new. When we talk about international development, you see that over the years where everybody's now accepting that 
in order for us to live in a harmonious way, in order for us to make sure that development is sustainable, in order for us to appreciate ourselves, let's work together. Yes, yes. So that's been my my thought process as well. So in terms of working together, I know the Sustainable Development Goals 17 mentions or highlights collaboration, work in partnerships. Have you ever had the need to work in partnership with other people when you traveled out of, of England or has it just been you doing a, a solo piece of work? Oh my gosh, always partnerships. Um, I'm not very good on my own. I talk too much. So when I start talking to myself too much, I need someone else in the room. So yeah, it's always been through partnerships. I mean, initially when I went to Ghana, um, I went through a, a company I don't really enjoy the companies, but sometimes they're a necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, I met a really brilliant man called Billa, who unfortunately isn't with us anymore. He passed away. Um, oh, a few ago. But Billa had created a school for children off his own back. He lived in an area um, of Accra called Labadi, or La, now it's called. He started teaching children underneath a mango tree. Oh. And then the children used to come after school, or if they weren't going to school, they would just come and learn from him. And it grew so big, he had to move to a bigger mango tree. Then that wow. grew so big that he um, rented a, a small compound house and he taught the children there. So I started working with him when he was there. And it was that collaboration. And I, when I was there, I said, oh, okay, so what, what's your goal? What's your dream? Where do you want to be? Um, and initially he was like, I really want to paint the walls. So I was like, okay, what do you want on the walls? Um, and he said some educational things like alphabets and things like that. So we got a group of volunteers together and bought the paint and painted the the walls of his compound so that mm-hmm. it looked vibrant for the children. And then we continued staying in touch. So from that time, that was in 2006, um, I left wow. to come back home and went back out again. I think I left there in 2000. I was there 2006, 2007, and then I went back out again in 2008. And Villa and I just stayed in touch. And I was like, okay, so what, what do you want to do? What's your next move? And he really wanted to have his own volunteer organisation. Mm. So he said that he sees people come like me, but he didn't receive any of the income of the money that I paid to go and volunteer, which I was awful. So I paid on the volunteer volunteerism sides you pay quite a lot of money to go to a country and i guess in quotes get looked after so that you're safe and things like that it's it's <laughs> not a new thing for young adults and late teens and so he didn't see any of that money and he was like I'd really like a volunteer organization that will bring teachers over so that oh people that are actually qualified to be able to teach children and I was like okay cool let's work towards that so we worked together and there was um a few other people involved so there was um a a guy who came from England called Steve who was super um and he lived with Billa for a little bit and worked out what needed to happen and he got a trustee board in the UK so that we could funding and things like that and then between us we managed to get a bigger place which had space for a volunteer organization to be attached to it and so my friend and I decided to go back to Ghana in 2010 and live there with with Billa and um, Steve Mm. Um, and we bought volunteers in from different universities um, from schools um, that kind of thing but it was it was more along the lines of 
the children were having a continuity of education. So we had one teacher who came for quite a few few months. Um, Again, she was brilliant. She was called Kirsty, And Mm. she had a kind of curriculum for the school. And so she would um, give the children all a a work log. Um, The cheeky ones couldn't just say, Madame, give me dots um, (laughs) to draw around when the new volunteers came because the cheeky ones would always get away with doing no work. Um, so yeah we we all worked in partnership for that um Billa had his vision um and we just we wanted to use the skills that we had Hmm. uh, that he was lacking so that we could bring it together um and I mean he had the vision he had the ideas he had the knowledge he had um the the passion and the drive um and everything there and I think all he needed to do was just pick the elements of technical the local knowledge, the the small technical elements of skills that we might each have had. So Kirsty had the the teaching elements. Um, she had her teaching degree. She brought that with her. Steve had um, worked with charities before and built the the board in the UK. So he brought that with him. Not sure what I bought, but I mean, I was there as a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like my role is often uh, putting people's ideas into a logical framework. And yes. so I was able to bring that and then, um, we could plan all of his ideas and put them into a, a step-by-step journey. Mm, sounds amazing. And and the thing w- with that kind of collaboration and, and partnership is, in a way, you're really working so hard to make sure nobody's left behind. Because when you do that, you reach more people. That that's yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, and I think I think sometimes it can be damaging if people go into a partnership thinking that they know everything that no one ever knows everything Uh, you need to learn from each other and I think that sometimes narratives can be like oh well you're you're a a dustman driver you you don't know anything no no this guy's going to know more about some other thing that you don't know about there's always Mm -hmm. in your knowledge and I think everybody has to be humble to know okay I may be a, a doctor with seven years university experience, but I might not know how to paint a canvas or I might not know how to bring create creativity out of somebody. So I think everybody, whatever walk of life, wherever you're from, um, you have to be humble and know your own limitations to then be able to big other people up and don't be scared of other people's successes. I mean, for you to be in the background for somebody else to grow you don't need a limelight if people are getting a benefit out of something then you're in that team and you're in that partnership to be able to bring um bring positivity and success to other people and I think that's where we need to be humble with our own mm-hmm. our own selves yeah ourselves I agree with you and also the expectations of ourselves too because sometimes what you find, you know, when, when you mentioned that sometimes you just need to be in the background and make sure that the engine is ticking, you know, so that the mm-hmm. car is moving. Uh, and that's very key. I know that especially for international development, wherever you go, there just has to be a key set of, of people that are doing everything. You know, it's just like a, a rung on a ladder. Everybody just has to do something in order to get yeah. to the top. And that's what you've done, which is which is a, a in fact, it's exciting just even painting that picture in my mind with everybody coming together to make sure that the outcome is what you desired and ties in with his vision. Billa's vision is amazing. 
That that was the main thing. It's always, I don't think you can steer away from the vision of the person who came with the idea. Hmm. Um, I think we have those people in our, in the human race, like we have ideas people. I'm not one of them, unfortunately, but I try and make the ideas happen. Um, That's my skill. So I need to know my place and my position in that. Hmm. So true. And it takes me neatly into my, my, my next question, which revolves around, you know, like the artisan element of what you do, jewelry making. What made yeah. you go into jewelry making? Um, Ghana. So <laughs> when I went to Ghana the first time, um, I was like, oh my gosh, look at all of this jewelry, the beautiful beads. Like I would go around different art centers and just be like, oh my gosh, those masks, like the the skills that people had were just amazing. And I came back with like so much stuff in my bag. Um, <laughs> and then when I went back, um, I was like, okay, I want to see how these are made. Like that, it just looks incredible. Yeah. So um, I think it was when I was, I think it was when I was living in Ghana. So it might've even been around 2010. It could be before that, maybe between 2008, 2010. Yes. Um, I would buy loads of beads um, and I went to the the market and mm. just had a look to find all the, the bits and pieces that you, you use to make jewellery. So I got some mm. fish wire, I got my pliers, I got bits and pieces, all from Makola Market in Accra. Um, and I came back to their house where we were staying um so I used to we used to stay with Billa we had the volunteer house on top um, yeah. and there were some children that were staying there as well mm-hmm. and um one child who was there well she's old now she's uh Asana so I treat her like my little sister because I've lived with her so much and seen her yeah. from eight and now mm-hmm. she's 20 Oh, I think. Wow. Um, so, yeah, um, we used to I used to teach her how to do it. We used to work out together how to make bracelets um, and we just used to put the jewelry together. And I found it such a cathartic activity that mm-hmm. I used to really chill me out. And then when I came back to the UK, I bought loads of beads um, and I just started teaching myself how to make jewelry and it went from making um what I would think now are some really disgusting necklaces um to what I have today mm. uh, and now I, I just like to make bracelets earrings necklaces decorations tree decorations for Christmas mm. yeah um and Asana has gone on to build a beaded bag um company so wow. us us doing jewellery when she was little she then started selling them when she was in senior high school she used to sell her bracelets um and now she's left school and she she did have a job but she was making um a good income through her beaded bag business so she could she could stop her job as well so now she's a a self-employed fashionista I guess you would call her so yeah, I mean, through that process, I wanted to know where the actual beads came from and how they were made. So I found uh, Mr. CD, who has a CD's bead factory in um, 
uh, Odomasi mm. in the central region in Ghana. Um, and if you ever get to go to Ghana, pop along to see him because he'll show you how the beads are made. Um, you'll see the factory working and you can even make the beads yourself. So once I tried my hand at making beads, realised that actually I should probably leave it to the experts. <laughs> and then came home and made made a little bracelet out of the beads that I made. Um, mm. But yeah, Mr. CD um, showed me how how it happens. Um, and then I started exploring other places. So I went to another factory, TK Beads. Um, and then I often get a lot of my beads from a market next to um, Mr. CD's factory. So in Odomas, yeah. um, there's a, a market that happens every Wednesday and Saturday and I'll go around mm. Have a look. I literally just get lost in all of the beauty. It's absolutely amazing. And the skill that these guys have is absolutely incredible. I have the easy part of making the jewellery. Mm-hmm. I really do because the beauty comes from the beads. One of the things I identified with the Ghanaian beads, because when I went to Ghana too, I picked up some as well, is they've got this unique colour and then unique designs on them. So wherever you go in the world, you identify that this is a Ghanaian bead. You know, there's the, some beautiful yellows, some blues, yeah. like indigo, you know, so, and then the black dots or some dots, you know, so yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it, it's amazing. And, you know, what you said about um, Hassana, when you said, you know, she's now on up, she's actually now self-employed. Yeah. It just reminded me of the seeds that you sow, sometimes knowingly and sometimes unknowingly. And, She's now an entrepreneur and she will go on to train others. So she'll pay it forward. Yeah, and that's I one mean, of the benefits. Mm. You say that she's she's looking for apprentices right now. So because her orders are getting really big, she's looking for apprentices to teach them how to create the, the beaded bags, the tissue boxes, the jewellery. Mm. Um, so, yeah, she's growing. I'm so proud. Uh, yeah. When you hear stories, because I call those stories success stories, when you hear such success stories, you know that you can lay your head down and say, yes at least I did something, you know, you've left a legacy. Mm. What does leaving a legacy mean to you? Oh, I I think just that. I mean, I don't often think about leaving a legacy. Um, mm. I'm not very good at thinking outside of the moment. So mm-hmm. I guess it's when I look back, it, I would never think about leaving a legacy for a reason for doing something. It's when I look back and I think, oh, wow, mm. my actions did that. And I mean, it's quite difficult for me to realize it in a way um, Mm -hmm. because I just think, well, actually, so let's take Asana, for example. Actually, it's her hard work that's done that. It's her passion and her drive that has got her to where she needs to be. So I think I find it quite difficult to think, um, oh, that was that was a little bit of legacy from, I don't know, some work that I did when I was I was in Ghana. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not giving you a great answer for this, but I don't... No, you are because... um, Yeah, you are because um, people view things differently. So to you, you might be, yeah, okay, I was doing this. um, Hassan, was also my team, kind of, or she watched me doing this. And for you, you were just going on doing, you know, what you loved doing. Yeah. Somebody silently was looking at you as a mentor which was probably not communicated but that was what she was doing had you not been in that space at that time she probably would have gone off to do something else so in a way sometimes you just don't know that that's what you're doing you're leaving a legacy until as you said it's later on when you sit back and you're sipping coffee and you're like oh hang on 
And I was in Ghana 10 years ago. What happened there? Okay, so, so that's how it is, you know. So I don't think anybody actually sits down to say, so I'm going to do this so that in future, well, some do, you know, not for the wrong reasons, but but some do because they do want to make sure that they do leave that clear legacy. And it's probably something that's been, they've been nursing in their minds. Maybe they lived in an area that was, they lived with um, children that needed, you know, maybe that medical attention or, or something. You remember something that happened recently, I can't quite put my finger to it, but this famous singer, Rod Stewart, had to, he paid money for quite a number of people to go and have a particular procedure done because when oh. he needed, yeah, it's something. So I don't think he sat down to think about it, but it was a thing of the moment when COVID struck and all things didn't, just didn't seem possible. He was like, hang on, I can pay it forward. And so he paid for quite a number of people to go and have something done. And that was amazing. I mean, I looked at it and I said, wow, this is really good. Yeah. But I just know that whatever you do, people are looking, whether good, bad or ugly, people are looking and people are taking out the good bits to 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 build on them. They can tweak it around, but the whole essence is to build on what you've what you've done and make it work for them in their own environments. Yeah. I think I think what you've just said there is what makes it key for me when I'm so where I make jewelry now and I sell it it's really key for me that people understand where the jewelry comes from and what does bring it so much beauty because mm-hmm. I think you're right people do look and they might look silently so even if they just walk past my stall I want them to see the book that I've got up that Mr CD wrote with with a, a colleague um that's the art of recycled glass beads so that mm-hmm. they're like oh okay they're recycled glass and then they start to take a little look and they start to think oh I've not seen these before I give them my card and they can scan a QR code and then go onto my website where I'll explain about what where the beads are from and the history behind them and the cultural significance and things like that because yeah. I think if if somebody's just wearing something blindly because oh that looks pretty yeah it does look pretty but actually I want you to know the hard work that's gone behind it I want yeah. you to know how that bead has turned from a glass bottle to a bracelet and actually the work that's gone into that through years of training and um, to mm. That skilled an artisan, and then the the way the process works, and then you you mentioned about the the detail of the the beads. It's usually women who are painting these that I've seen at Mr. CD's uh, factory, but they'll put all of the beads on a cocktail stick or on a kebab stick, and yeah. they'll paint each individual one. They'll paint, and I just I look at that and I just think you're amazing, absolutely wow, yeah. That is so cool. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, and I I just want everybody to to know what they're wearing because mm-hmm. actually, I don't think it's it's not really appropriate if they're just having something for the nicety of it. I think it's important for us to understand each other across the world if mm. we know the deep history and the deep cultural significance behind different things. Mm-hmm. So it really makes sense. And I remember I went to um, this um, festival in Dubai um, recently and somebody had a stand there at the festival and he also had those beads. So there were bracelets, there were necklaces and all. And it was amazing. He was selling like hot cake. Oh, wow. Yeah, the history behind those beads. He had some little booklets there and it was on hand, you know, to tell people about the story behind the beads, you know, and selling his culture across the pond 
so yeah. to speak. People sometimes don't only buy what they see, they buy into the history behind it or the story behind it. And that's very, very key. So it's all those things that come together to, to make us who we are. Karen, what do you do in your spare time? <laughs> How do you unwind? <laughs> How do I avoid? I think I make jewelry to unwind, you know. Okay. Um, I think the way that I unwind is always through creativity. So I like to paint, I like to make things. Yeah. Jewelry obviously chills me. Um, but yeah, that's the creativity, I think, through me is what what chills me out. Yeah. Oh, that sounds really brilliant. I, <laughs> <laughs> I will see you make her. Maybe one of these days, see how you make make the the bracelets or or, or a necklace. Oh, for so, sure. Yeah, I'll have to send you one. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Oh, that's good. So we're, we're winding down now. Um, do you have any seeds or of wisdom that you'd like to drop to so that that can germinate in our minds and the minds of our listeners? Oh well, um, I think my my main thing to leave you guys with is to be accepting, be inquisitive, and be humble. And mm. I think if you have those things, then you can get the best out of yourself and the best out of other people. Hmm. Oh, I like that. Acceptive, inquisitive, and humble. Yeah, yeah. that goes a long way. That really does go a long way oh fantastic Karen it was great having you on our podcast series I hope you enjoyed yourself as much as I did and I know my listeners will be listening I did thank you for having me you're welcome and there's always something I say don't be a stranger we always need to catch up again (laughs) (laughs) yes for sure I'm like all right thank you so much for your time Karen and enjoy the rest of the day that's it because that helps us (laughs) thank you (laughs) all right then ciao ciao bye 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 Thank you, Sustainable Friends, for tuning into today's episode. And we hope you feel empowered and ready to develop economic, environmental, and social solutions that will bring about positive change in your communities for a better Africa and beyond. By the way, you don't have to wait until the next episode to chat with me. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Let's Act Africa and tell me one thing this episode has convinced you to start doing. Also, if you found this episode insightful, please make sure you leave a rating, subscribe to our show, and share with others who you think can implement solutions in Africa and beyond. Remember, we're all in this together. Until next time, let's act Africa.